Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, y'all give a big old shout out for Cody. Come on, he did great. I just want to give a shout out to all the men that were with us yesterday morning at the herd. We had an incredible time yesterday with the men. I just want to, I want to tell you, men, thank you for being there. We had a great time. I, I talked to several men after, and they just said they really enjoyed it. So, men, the first Saturday of every month, we have our herd meeting. So you can come on and be with us and, and uh, just have an incredible time. Right now, I just want to go ahead and dismiss the children, our Savior's Church children. Come on, let's give them a hand as they go. Um, I know that uh, it's a good day today, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I'll just say, yesterday I was with the men, and yesterday afternoon went hunting with doves, we did great, so that was awesome, I feel good about that, LSU won last night in, in a big fashion, but, uh, you know, I have something greater than that that I want to talk about this morning, and that's just the Lord, and what He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives, and this morning, uh, I'm just gonna, we're going to start a new series, and I really just, I really want to, I just want to show you a verse that maybe you've just never even read, and maybe it's, a, I believe it's kind of by a very obscure person, even in the Bible, and if you have your notes with me, with, uh, you can follow along with me, but I just want to show that in 2 Timothy, I'm just get right into the message this morning, it says this, may the Lord bless one Phosophosis, whatever his name is, and uh, you need a Greek uh, uh, pronunciation book and he said all of us and and all of his family because he visited me and encouraged me often his visits revived me like a breath of fresh air and if you look at that portion where it says revive in, in the greek what will happen is it says he helped me recover my breath that's what it means he helped me recover my breath and if any, anybody doesn't have notes, can you just raise your hand? We want to get notes to you. Come on, just, all right, the ushers are waving them in the back to me to remind. All right, good, you got your notes. And so I've become, he says, I've con, and I believe this, I've, been, I've become convinced that, that a lot of people are not living this way, where they're feeling fresh, they feel revived, they feel like people are just like a breath of fresh air in them. People need a lot of encouragement and revival. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Even in their marriages, in life, there's a lot of times we walk through things and we just need like a breath of fresh air. We need something to revive us, something, you know, I, I'm not here to kind of pump you up, boop, 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 you know, whoop, 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 you know what I'm saying? I'm not here to do that, but I'm here to say God wants to refresh you, God wants to renew you. And my heart in this series is that I want to take you out of a place if you're stuck or if you're stagnant, and then you see God and God comes with his breath his fresh breath, and it's like air that comes into your life where you can just go, oh, I can breathe again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you get to that place where you just feel stagnant, you feel like nothing's working, nothing's happening? And see, I, I know that there's a thing called, it's, it's called, I like to call it stuck in the doldrums. And what happens is when you're, when you're depressed and you're not, you're not doing so well, so well, it's called the doldrums. And what that is, let me just use this, it makes me feel like a sophisticated Cajun this morning when I say this. It, 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 we're, I'm talking about the intertropical conversion zone. Isn't that good? Say so the, so the intertropical conversion zone. What the heck are you talking about, Pastor Bubba? Well, literally, it's a strip uh, around the oceans and around the equator. 
And it's where you have the, 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 the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. And as the earth spins, the northern hemisphere's winds directions go one way and the southerns go another way. But what happened is old merchants, when they would come and they would sell from Europe or wherever they would go to the new world, what they would do is they'd get caught in the doldrums where there was no wind, there was no place to go, and they just got stuck. And because there was no wind, there was no motorboats in that time, you would just sit there and you would die because there would be no wind, no air, nothing. And I believe there's a lot of people, what a picture of people's lives today. They get in a place where they just get in the doldrums and they're just kind of stuck. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just get stuck. And what do you do when you get stuck in the doldrums? And, I, and so what I want to do is I want to talk about four stages or four levels of what happens when you get in the doldrums. The first stage is you start faking it. You act like nothing is happening. Anybody ever do that? You're like, oh, I'm cool, man. Everything's fine. It kind of, reminds me of that guy. He's driving that tractor. It, it was a commercial. And he goes, you know, he goes, I, I you know, he, he's talking about. I'm in debt dip to my eyeballs. He's talking about all, you, you've seen that commercial where he's driving his, his motor, his little tractor, and he's mowing the grass. He's talking about all the things he owes, and he just, well, someone help me. I'm just, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. And I believe that sometimes we want people to think we're still, we're still okay. You know, you want people to still think you're, you got it all together. And, but you know what? You're in debt. You're depressed. You're miserable, but you can't let people see for what's going on, for heaven's sake. You just don't want people to know. You can't let anybody know. You know, I, I know when I was a kid, one of the things my mom used to do, and I don't know if it's a southern thing, but we, we would go invite, we were invited to go to someone's house. And you remember, my mom would say, listen, if Miss So-and-so asks you if you want a Coke, you want a cookie, you want crackers, you just politely tell her, no, ma'am. How many of you talking about? And I'd always like, Why? I'm hungry. She makes good cookies. She's she got the bottle coke. She gives you like cream soda, Nesbitt's cream soda. You know, and it's like I remember. You know, it's like I I remember getting in trouble one time because I was like, "Mom, I'm thirsty," and and, you know, and you know, and it's like, and it's I always wonder why. But I think in the South, you know, we 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 we're really good at this. You know what I'm saying? We we know how to say yes, ma'am, thank you. Am I in the right place? But inside, we're like steel magnolias. We're just hard on the inside. But we know all the right things to say, you know. And I believe that said, when you start going through difficulty, you just, I know this. You, 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 and sometimes I think we're good at this here. You, you, you just kind of go, you kind of just kind of, everything's okay. And it's kind of like you get that, that skin color band-aid where like, you don't want no one to see what's happened. Where it's not noticed. And because and, and you, you just can't let anybody know. And, and what happens is, you know, in Jeremiah, look what it says. It says, Jeremiah 6, 14. They dress the wound of the people as, as though it was not serious. And he's really talking. He's giving a word to ministers and priests during this time and pastors. He's saying, he's saying they dress the wound of my people as though it was not serious. And it says, they say, peace, peace, they say. When there is no peace. It's kind of like, it's kind of like going and when you peel the band-aid off and you don't show them the whole thing, but you just show part of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and what happens is when you do that, you have, have you ever shared something with somebody and they blow it off? How did you feel? 
game back on. It kind of just tell you something. If you stay there, you go to stage two. And here's stage two. You, you, you put it off. Well, time, time, if, if you give me a little time, time will help me out with what I've got to do. If you bought into the lie, I want to expose that lie. Time does not heal. In fact, time does not heal. Only the Holy Spirit can heal. If, any, if anything, time actually makes it worse. What do you mean, Pastor? You start sharing a wound in your life, and it's like being exposed, and you got that wound, and someone rubs up on that wound, and you go, oh, you ever have people, you, you're talking to them, you don't know why they react a certain way, because all of a sudden you've touched the wound. And they go, ah! Go, what happened there? You touched something that they've maybe tried to expose or tried to hide. Are y'all with me? Just want to make sure. He says it grows. So, it, I mean, some of your marriages, there hasn't been a fresh wind in that marriage for years. And you're thinking, you know, well, you know, maybe one day, one day, one day old Harry will come to church. The Holy Ghost will blow on him. One day, you just you keep putting it off. And can I tell you something? That day just might not come. Hebrews says it like this. He says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root, underline that, no bitter root, say bitter root, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when it's a weed, when it's a little thing in your life, it's easy to pick a weed. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? But let me tell you something. If you don't deal with when it's small and it gets big, it's kind of like a banana tree. How many of you ever tried to dig up a banana tree? I did. Can I tell you about it? Okay, y'all, y'all give me permission. We lived in Broussard, Louisiana. I hated that banana tree. I tried to cut it down, do everything, and that sucker would just keep growing. And finally, one day, I went out and got a shovel, and I kept digging and digging and digging. I thought I got rid of it, and guess what? It came back. See, I finally killed it, all right? I got some Roundup and, and a few other things. But let me just say this. That's how a lot of people's lives are. It's like you try to help them, and you get to that stage, and it's like you can't, you know, when it's, a, when it's small, it's easy to take care of. But when it becomes a tree, and it gets big old roots and feeder roots that feed the other, it makes other plants and stuff, you know what? What happens is you just get in a place where, you know, that you just get stuck. You get a bitter root inside of you. You can't let that thing go. Are y'all with me? You can't let that bitterness go because it will take you places you never thought you would go. It'll make you do things you never thought you would do. And it'll make you stay longer than you really wanted to stay somewhere. That's what a bitter root will do. Number three, the stage three is you give up. We just give up on marriage. We give up on God. We give up on people. We give up on church. Don't, you don't, you know, don't have to have a situation where you, you lose hope. You don't have to have that. You, you think it can never, you know, sometimes we get to a place we think, well, it will never, ever change. And you resign to the fact you'll just be miserable for the entire, the rest of your life. You ever had people like that? I'm just going to be miserable. Some of you sitting here right now. I'll just say this. Some of you here this morning have lost hope in areas of your life. You just lost hope. But I'm here. But when it's, see, 
John spoke of this. He said he was going through a trial. And Job, I'm not John, Job spoke of this. And, he, and this, may be, this may be your refrigerator verse, I don't know. But what it says, Job says, he says, when there, when there is, he says, where then is my hope? Where can, who can see any hope for me? He couldn't see it. He couldn't see there was any hope. Have you ever noticed that someone could come to you and share with you all the difficulties and the problems they have, and somehow you are the world's greatest counselor? You can help them. You can encourage them. But when it comes to you, you just don't see it. You ever think that way? You ever been there? You just don't see it. You see, I believe this. You're just blank. And the fourth stage is you just die. What do you mean? Some people that are an actual, some people, I believe this, that is an actual physical death. I know that people have given up many times in their life, and they just take, they take matters in their own hands. A couple years ago, there was a rash of people around this area that what was happening, they were just going and, and, and saying, that's it. I, I, I can't live anymore. I'm just going to put this to a stop. Can I tell you something? Every one of us have gone through times in our lives where we felt depressed and down. How many are you talking about? And because of that, what we do is we think, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. You know, Taking your, own life, taking your own life never solves anything. It never does. I've seen people die mentally. I have someone that was related to me. Actually, my wife and my sister-in-law, Bernetta, went and visited them in the hospital and tried to talk to them and wouldn't even respond. They died mentally. They just shut it off. They just shut everything off mentally. Not only that, I've seen people die morally. They just, you know, they put caution to the wind. They said, look, I'll smoke anything, I'll drink anything, and I'll sleep with anybody and anything. They just give up. What happens, not only do they give up, you know, they give up physically, they give up morally, but what happens is they get to that place where I believe that they just die emotionally. They no more emotions. Then they die spiritually. See, it encourages you, some of the greatest men and the women in the Bible experience these same feelings that I'm talking about. See, if you're going, how, let, me, let me just do a survey. How many of you have experienced any of these things in your life? Come on. The rest of you were praying that you would tell the truth. The Corinthians says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we depart, we despaired even of life. I think he, what he's saying is, I just wanted to die. In our hearts as we felt the sentence of death. See, what I believe is that you, in that moment, you need a, br- a blast, a fresh wind in your life. You need to get, you need, that's the only thing that's going to get you out of being stuck in the doldrums. And see, if you, if you're, if you will be here for the next four weeks, I'm just saying that for this series, anyway, is this an advertisement? No, I believe this in faith. I can speak this morning. I believe if you're here for the next four, you can experience the breath a fresh breath that God would bring this morning that could change your life. And so this morning, I want to get in the message. That wasn't even the message. That's just the introduction. And I promise I won't be long, okay? But I've decided to call this message the choice. If you're looking for a name, it's the choice. You, you can do, 
you can do things externally on the outside or you can do things on the inside. And a lot of times we think, well, if I fix my life up on the outside, things will be better on the inside. And it, but I, I'm just here today to tell you, anytime you try external things, nothing inside of you will come to life. You just die on the inside. I know people, I mean, share. I, I read a, a TV weekly magazine thing one time years ago, and it was talking about Cher. She's had so many, you know, pucks and tucks and plastic surgeries. They, she don't even know what's real and what's not anymore. Kenny Rogers said he got a facelift, and he's shaving behind his neck now because they pulled his beard so far back. You can do all, you can get it sucked and tucked, baby, but can I tell you something? It's still not going to change the inside. The longing to say amen, will somebody love me? Will someone know me? Will someone accept me? Will someone just, will just someone care? We get so concerned about what we look on the outside. Are you hearing me? That we forget what God's really trying. The gospel of Jesus is all about the eternal. It's God getting the inside and capturing the heart of someone. And you need God to do that first. In order to change, you've got to let God get on the inside. See, we try to do all the outside things. So this morning, have you, you know, I, I know this. I have moms sometimes, Pastor Bubba, will you pray for my kids? Man, they're just bad. They just all this stuff. Can I, I've just learned something because my wife and I, we have six kids. You have no, let me, let me just say, it, you have no hope in having great kids until you see a heart change in them. You can teach them, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, thank you, please, may I? You can do all of that, Okay. I'm telling you, you can do all that. Most parents want to modify behavior. Because what we do, this is what we do. Come on, I'm in this category. Let me just tell you right now. We threaten, we bribe, we repeat. I told you, no, no, I mean, come on. We force, we ground anything to make them behave. How many are you talking about? And all the parents said, we try to do all those things. But can I tell you something? The problem is if you never get to the heart, you're still going to lose. Kids whose hearts are never been changed go wild when they get into college. When they get out of the house and they get on, the own, uh, get on their own, their middle name, I don't care what you named it, turns into P-A-R-T-Y. Party! Because, see, you're in a place of being conformed. But when you're out of that protection, you're not conformed anymore. You have no restrictions, so you can just go, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it reminds me of a story of guys, he's talking to his son, and they're eat, getting, getting ready to eat dinner, and as they're getting re- ready to eat dinner, you know, the dad looks at his son, he's looking across the table, and he said, son, sit down. Sit down, son. He goes, I'm not sitting down. He said, I'm telling you to sit down. No, dad, I'm not going to sit down. He said, I'm going to go and make you sit down. And he sat down. And his son looked at him. He said, dad, let me just tell you one thing. I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. And see, unless it's a heart change. See, we can do everything. Can I tell you something? People do that in church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. But you were fighting like cats and dogs 
before you drove up here. Come on. Your kids were like, God, a miracle happened. Mom and dad were ready to kill each other, but we got the church in like. <laughs> they're the nicest people. You know, I mean, just. You know, you can't. And it happens in marriage, too. I don't just love my wife because, you know, to death do us part. You know, I, I mean, it, you know, it's like I don't go looking for other women and going, oh, wow, you know, hey, which way? The locker? That way. It's not because, see, let me let me just say, God brought a heart change. I'm not looking for others. I have one that God has given me and I'm enjoying her. I don't need to go find somebody else. Are you hearing me? And so this morning, what I want to do, in fact, the very first story in the Bible, and in it, 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 all of this it revolves around choices that we make. Say it with me. Say choices. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, in, in, in verse 9, it said, in the middle of the garden, it means there, were, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, the garden was a choice. There was a good choice, and there was not a, cho- a, good, a choice that was really it was a, bad, a good choice and a bad choice. And remember, they're like, okay, we have a choice. And then what happens when you look down in verse 16 and 17 is the Lord God commanded the, commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will surely die. In other words, you will get in the doldrums. You'll get at a place where there's no fresh wind, there's no breath, There's nothing to get you on in life. Many of you are dying and you're tempted to get out of where you're at, working because you're still using the same thing to get you out of what you got into in the first place. See, being around church uh, growing up, I'll just say this. I never, what was happening, I never really changed. I just went to church. I did the things because I really never gave my heart to God. How many are you talking about? I just was made to go, but I really never gave my heart to the Lord. And so I went and it was about, and really when it was about that, it was about things you did and what you didn't do. I remember one time my brother and I, we had Hot Wheels and he's here, he can testify to it. My mom, her favorite grip when we were in church to be quiet was she would have the claw. And I remember one time, I mean, we, we were playing Hot Wheels on the, the bench. He might not remember, but I remember it. And all of a sudden, my mama went to, she did this, and she'd get like right, you know what I'm saying? Them fingernails get right up in here. And, and I mean, she would look at you. She didn't have to say, she'd go, am I doing it right, Ty? Okay. And my brother's here saying, and I remember one time we were playing, and I don't know who brought the Hot Wheel, me or Todd, but we were like, just, man, this is boring, man. We just want, we were playing Hot Wheels, and all of a sudden, somebody's making a noise, and my mom, gets, and I think it was Todd, she grabbed, and he went, ow, mom, in the middle of the church. And the incredible thing is, I, I know this, every week we can go do something, but I believe this, I'm going to show you the choices that you ha- they're, they're, that I want to talk to you about. And, and there are three different expressions of choices that we have to make in life. And so every week I'm going to bring this verse right here. And it's, it's this, Deuteronomy. If I had one message to preach, and this is my last sermon I'd ever preach, I'd preach this message. Okay? And here it is. 
and it's in Deuteronomy. It says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Everywhere I'm going to, every week that I've come and I share with this man, I'm going to share this, this, this verse with you this morning that I'm sharing. So I'm going to show you different choices and different expressions. What you, number one is, a lot of times people think, you know, well, to get out of what I'm going through, i got to do more. It's called doing more. You think your problem is you need to do more. I'm, I'm going to read more. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, the one-year Bible twice this year. I'm going I'm to read more, 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 more. I'm going to pray. I mean, before, let me tell you something. When I got first came to the Lord, I prayed for maybe 15 minutes. And, I mean, I mean, God had a great conversation and stuff. But I remember started going to Bible college and people getting up and telling me, you hadn't prayed unless you prayed an hour. I mean, I was up to 15 minutes. So we, to get to an hour, I just pray what I prayed before for 15 minutes four times. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't laugh at me. I'm laughing at you too. It's not. And, and then we go, I will serve more. I got to give more. I got to do. It's more. Every week I'm going to go. I'm going to bring you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do this. Every, you know what? I, I'm just going to be. I, I got to do more and more and more. See, and that's where you lose it. It's not about doing more. It's receiving. You can either do more or you can receive what Jesus has already done. What do you mean, Pastor? Jesus accomplished everything you need to do on the cross. There's no bill. It's fully paid. There's nothing you have to do. There's always a pull at that first choice. It happened at Jesus' day. I want you to look at it in John. Here's what religious people do. Here's, Here's what religious people. It says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that they, that, that by them you possess eternal life. Look what he says. These are the scriptures that testify about me. You refuse to come to me and to have life. What's he saying? It's not about the reading, but it's about the person. It, 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 being around them. It's the breath of God. It's knowing God. It's having a relationship with him, not just printed words. Are y'all with me this morning? Am I making sense here? It's not just printed pages. Pastor, are you saying not to read the Bible? No. When you love God, you're just going to read the Bible. It's an outflow of what you, you, how you're going to live your life. It's an outflow to pray. I don't have, no one's over there making me pray. Pray. You know, it's, I'm doing that because I love it. It's not about how much you read but and spending time. With, it's, it's about spending time with the one you love, and you love to read about him. It's knowing the person behind the scriptures. Number two is what we try to do is we try to get God's approval. I've always thought God was mad at me when I was a kid. You grow up thinking that God is some kind of like Wizard of Oz, you know, with the green face and the, uh, the red smoke. I'm good. Bubba, get the broom. Memorize the whole book of Proverbs. I had to earn his approval. You know, you grew up thinking God, he will help me. I know God wants to help me, but he really doesn't. I felt like he really didn't want to. 
he could help me, but I didn't think he really wanted to because, you know, I was trying to get God's approval and I couldn't get it. You see, and that's how we can be. We either think we got to get God's approval or receive. This is what we got to really do is we got to learn to receive God's perfect love. That's what sets us free. God's perfect love. Because he knows what you need. Let me just, can I just set you straight this morning? God knows what you did this week. And he still likes you. He might not like what you did, but he likes you. Actually, the more you struggle, his heart is drawn more to help you. It doesn't turn him off. It makes him come to you even in a greater way. What happened to Adam when he blew it in the garden? What did God do? God came looking for Adam and Eve. He came looking. God comes and looks to come to help you and me when we're going through stuff. He does. I think if God had a refrigerator, he'd have your picture on it. He goes, that's my boy. That's my girl. There they are. Yes, them. But see, some of you don't think that way. Amen? You see, actually, the more you struggle, he's there. Bible says in Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still spitting on him. While he put nails in his hands. He's in love with you. He's in love with me. He's thinking about you right now. He's going to look at my boy. Look at my girl. Come on, girl. Come on, T-girl. Look at you. I don't know what your view of God is, but I, I, but it may be distorted. But I, I just believe this. Because if it's a distorted view, you've eaten from the wrong fruit and the wrong tree. Where God's saying, man, eat of me. Know me. You know what? Know me. Receive what's been done. Receive my love. You know, and number three is we can obey God out of duty. Growing up, I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought the more painful the church service was, the more points you got to go to heaven and see God. Can I be honest with you? Because I'm one of these kind of guys, I watch too many cartoons. You know what I mean? I want, like, if the preacher was just, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, when he's, and you're going, what did they say? I don't know. I thought that's why you had to kneel to pray because it was kind of like penance. You, it, God wants you to be in pain when you pray. That was just kind of unpunished, but it was kind of, you had to do your penance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't. <laughs> oh, man, I got to be careful here. Um, can I just, I, I, as a kid, I, did, I really never liked church. But I, I like, I'll just say that I, I didn't even like Christians. What do you mean, Pastor Rob? I just felt like, you know, they're singing about the joy of the Lord. And they look like the most unjoyful people I've ever seen in my life. I got the joy, joy, joy down deep in my heart. Deep in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy. 
I'm so happy. And I'm like, what's, you don't look happy? You know? I thought they were mean. I thought they were mad and mean, didn't have joy because they couldn't sin because they were in church and they wanted to go have fun with everybody else, but they knew they couldn't have fun. Does that make sense? They're like, why do I want to be like you? I have a friend. <laughs> they went witnessing in New Orleans one time. And when they were witnessing in New Orleans, uh, they went in Mardi Gras. Have you ever done witnessing when people are drunk or Mardi Gras? I mean, it's like, it's a trip. I've done it, all right? And, and, and he's out witnessing this guy, and, and he's, this guy's drunk. And he's really kind of trying to be nice. And my friend says, man, let me, can I tell you about Jesus? And he goes, Jesus, hey, my uncle, he goes to such such Baptist church, and he's a demon, And his girl, the friend goes, oh, you mean he's a deacon? He goes, and the girlfriend goes, no, he's a demon. <laughs> Sometimes we just obey out of duty. Honestly, the Bible is hard. Can I be honest with you? It's hard. You can't do it unless you are, let me just say this, obeying God out of delight. Out of delight. What do you mean by the You can either obey out of duty and it becomes do's and don'ts, or you can obey out of delight because it becomes love and it's something you want to do. You know, the scripture says in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In that verse, you have two choices. I'm gonna sh- I want to show you the choices. Can I show you? Every one of us are on one side of the comma or not. There's a comma in there. Some of you have heard, if you love, if you love me, you will prove to me your love and obey my command. You're on that one side of the comma. It's about duty. Got to. Then some of you have heard this. If you love me, you'll do what I command. And see, and I tell you something, it's like you don't even have to say anything. You just do it. No one has to tell you what to do. You just do it. I remember Pastor Jamie, in fact, I went and did a stealth visit to him last week. It was so funny. How many of y'all know Pastor Jack? I heard Pastor Zach did a great job last Sunday. And, and, and so I sent him the units to preach the same message. Serious, I did. And, and let me tell you something. When I went there last week to Jamie, and I'm coming back to the message, it was funny because, you know, it's like, I mean, they, the ushers, they see me and everybody, oh, Pastor Papa's here. Oh, Lord. You know, I said, shh, don't tell Pastor Jamie I'm here. Okay, we won't tell nobody. I mean, no one's saying, so me and Luke snuck in and we sat in the back. And when people would sit down, we would kind of get a little lower. <laughs> and he was, I was watching him and everything. And, and all of a sudden, he's about ready to get up to preach. And, and they're finishing worship and everything. He's about to go up. And I sneak up where everybody's raising their hands, closing their eyes, you know. And I sneak up and I sit right next to him. And he's got like, you know, he's big. You know, he's like, oh, no. And, you know, sometimes you just feel somebody by you. 
You ever had that? You just, and I, he, I, he, I, we're just worshiping him and the kids. They don't see us. And, and I think Ethan sees me and goes, and all of a sudden, he's, he looks and he goes, he does this. <laughs> and I said, man of God, I didn't come here to preach. I came to watch the preacher preach this morning. I love you. And he did a great job. And they're doing a great work. Let me tell you something. You'd be so proud of Jamie and Cheryl and, the, and, our, and our church. It's the our, it's our other extended family in our church. Come on that are doing a great job. You ought to give the hand to the Lord. See, I believe this. It becomes a byproduct, not the command. When you just love God, it's a byproduct. When I love, listen, my wife don't prove your love to me, Bubba. Climb that tree and say, you're the man. (laughs) There's sometimes I will, but anyway. But as I've gotten older, it ain't happening, you know. It becomes a delight. It becomes who you are, not what you have to do. Does that make sense? You know, I'm reminded, how many of you ever watched that movie called Fiddler on the Roof? It's an old movie. It's about this guy, and maybe you've never heard it, but it's, it's a great musical. And I grew up, I used to watch musicals, believe it or not. Y'all pray for me. My mom loved musicals, so I was stuck watching my mom sometimes. She used to have kidney uh, infections a lot, and so sometimes I would miss two or three weeks just taking care of my mom, and I'd get to stay at home. It was so hard not going to school. But anyway, <laughs> and I remember sometimes we'd watch movies, and, you know, it, it's really set in the 1900s, and it's about a Russian-Jewish community, and this dad has five daughters, and he picks. He, it, it's one of those kind of things you got to, the, the daughter can't pick her husband. The father has to pick her husband. And dads, that may come back. Wouldn't that be great? Come on, where's Mikey in the Is Mikey in the house? Anyway, there you go. That would be great. But, you know, and it comes to this clash. They start falling. And what happens, these daughters start falling in love with other men because the guys that their dad had picked are kind of ugly kind of guys. And, and what happens, they start falling in love with these. And, and he says, and he says they can't, you can't marry him. He's not the one I picked. And they have that, a song in a tradition. I can't do it right, but anyway. Tradition. It was tradition. you got to do this. You do what I say. And as he sees, what happens is, in the middle of this whole struggle, he wonders why, and he's, he's thinking about all these things, and he's, he's thinking, you know, well, all this, because see, what they'd have to do, they'd have matchmakers that come and tell them where, who they're going to marry and kind of match them up. And in the middle of all of this, he's struggling to find out if his wife really loves him. Because they had a matchmaker. They had an arranged marriage. And so he comes, and he goes to the house, and they sing that song, Do You Love Me? And he's like, you know, like and, and he's asking, like, really, do you love me? And she starts singing back, I've been married to you for 25 years. I've cleaned, I've washed, I've cooked, I've done all this stuff for you for 25 years. And you know what it was? It was all about the external. And he was talking about, on the inside. And I think a lot of times we, we, we look at our tradition and it's, it's interesting because he's asked the eternal and she responded with the external. And I believe the Lord's asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? Well, Pastor, uh, Lord, I go to church. No, do you love me? Well, Lord, I tithe. No, I'm not asking that. Do you love me? Well, I give to the poor. 
No, God's coming and saying, do you love me? Am I making sense here this morning? Well, Lord, I don't eat devil's food cake anymore. I eat angel food. He's not asking that. Do you love me? This is not only put, can I tell you something? When you get this, that'll get you out of the doldrums. And can I tell you something? And, and it won't keep you there. But if you're doing it because, well, it's duty, it's, I got to do this, or it's external, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Here's a breath of fresh air. Principle number one. I'm going to give you a principle every week, and here's a principle I want to give you this morning. And I can remember as a kid, I was in high school. And I can remember being in the doldrums. I remember one time, I just confess it, I was looking for a better story, but I was thinking about it this morning. But I remember one time we were at the old Beaver Park. It's like where the throughway is by the airport. And they used to have dependable Dodge Datsun right there. And, and you could cross over, and they had a road. They, they, the road's not even there anymore. They used to have. And I went and did a jungle juice party. I don't know if you know what a jungle juice party, and anybody that's young, I don't want to educate you. But we had so much jungle juice and alcohol and stuff, we had a boat paddle, and it ate the, the coating off the paddle. You know what I mean? And we'd smoked a little hoochie and we were drinking some jungle juice. And listen, I was going through a hard time. And I was thinking, you know what? And back then, Todd and I had a cougar. A nice, it was a, it was a, kind of a, had a soft top kind of tan with a, a dark blue. It was, it was sweet. Had the white letter tires. Let me go. Okay, let me go back to the story. Anyway, and I remember I was driving that Cougar, and I remember I was, like, going through a time in my life. I said, you know what? No one would even care if I died. No one would even care. No one even, it wouldn't even really matter. I'm just going to, and I remember I was going 80 miles an hour down this in Beaver Park, coming up to this road where there was a stop sign. And I said, maybe just someone hit me. And I remember passing the stop sign, and, and a car goes right after I did it. And I stopped, and my, I have friends. They're going, McCann, you're crazy. And I was like, no, man. Because, see, on the inside, I couldn't tell anybody what was going on. But, see, I was trying to drink it, smoke it, do whatever I could to, to drown that. Am I making sense? And some people, you don't have to drink it, smoke it, or, 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 or do whatever. Sometimes you can just come to church and think, if I do more, if I say this, if I do that, and then things will get better. When the real purpose of what Jesus said was, know me, fall in love with me, and do it out of delight. And this is scripture that I want to leave you with principle this morning. It's not everyone who, called, who says to me, and it's, in, it's actually in, in Luke 6, uh, 46, I believe it is. Same principle. Uh, he said, Lord, Lord. He said, some will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven. And let me just start over. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only who, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. What he's really saying is that you only needed me when your back was against the wall in this rescue 911 circumstance. That's when you called out to me. But you never invited me in. You never were there. When, when he, see, these people did all the external things. This is what they did. They ate from the wrong tree. They did all the external things, and did, but they didn't know him internally. I realize the condition of my eternal life has nothing to do with my church attendance. I'm reminded of that, com- that little cartoon. This guy's he's sleeping in bed, and his wife comes up to him and goes, Hey, baby, wake up, wake up. It's time for church. Goes, I don't want to go to church. And she comes back, she goes, Honey, you need to wake up. You're the pastor. If I were going to give you an, a fresh air principle this morning, I know it would, would change your life. This is what I would say. Look at me. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him. When's the last time you just put the music loud at your house? My wife, she likes me to leave sometime, not be around because She just likes to worship and turn up the music. And I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Or in the car. It's like your sanctuary. The kids are gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel revival. Just fall in love with him. That you're not concerned what people think anymore. Because you're so in love with him, it doesn't matter what they think. And you're not doing it out of duty. You're doing it out of pure, unadulterated love for him. And when we receive the tithe, you're going, oh, there they are again. Passing them baskets. What do they do with that? Yeah, I saw Pastor Bubba's truck, 2004 Toyota with 156,000 miles. Look, you come, you can meet me here. I try to be the same where I'm at all the time. That doesn't mean I always succeed. If you hang around me long enough, I will disappoint you. I promise you that. But it better be, you better be, it's, we're going to talk about the Lord. Can I just say that? See, the choice is right in front of you. You either choose life, and the Bible says, or you choose death. You can do it one of two ways. You can be sophisticated and, and do it the church way, church way, and never find joy, never find peace, but always looking for it. Think it's, it's about your works instead of by faith. By faith, God, I accept you. By faith, you forgive me. By faith, I walk and I love you and I honor you. And God, not only by faith, but, you know, God saved me not to do works, but that he would perform good good works through me and through you. The choice is up to you. See, I can just bring you, I can bring you to the feeding trough, but it's whether or not you feed there or not. It begins with falling in love with Jesus. It's surrendering your life to the one who already deeply loves you. He loves you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your daddy was like. I don't know what your mother was like. Because when I say he's the father that wants to be, he's the father to the fatherless. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when you say that, say, I don't want a daddy like that. I had a daddy and he was never there. Let me tell you, he's the father you always dreamed of having. It starts in the heart. 
But you got to confess it with your mouth and live it out by your life.